Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Am I Missing, the podcast where I attempt to fill in the gaps of my knowledge through conversations with friends. I'm your host, Brett Walden, and today I'm talking to my good friend, Bobby Johnston, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Bobby is an actor, writer, stand-up comedian, and fellow Spider-Man nerd, and I sat down with him to find out what we can expect next in the MCU. Because even though I read comics, my knowledge is fairly limited to Spider-Man and some Daredevil. And since the movies have so many characters with so many different plot lines, it can get really complicated if you don't quite know who's who. So I needed someone who could help me answer the question, who the hell was Nick Fury paging at the end of the movie? Now it should go without saying, but spoilers abound in this episode. So if you haven't seen Infinity War yet, I'll wait. Great. And if talking about Marvel wasn't geeky enough for you, we also throw out our opinions uh, regarding the latest Star Wars film, so stick around for that. And also stick around to the end of the show to hear a sneak preview of Episode 3 coming out next Monday. But enough preamble. Let's go down to the MCU crossroads with Robert Johnston. Take it away, Anthony! All right, um, so I'm sitting here with Bobby Johnston. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. There's a big giant piece of wood in front of Bobby's knees right now. That's great. So you may hear him adjusting or readjusting throughout the entire episode. No, that's good. Which I'm fine with. <laughs> no, he's, he's grabbing it like Kilroy right now. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming. How have, how have you been? How are you? Not too bad. Hanging in there, you know. Yeah. The the Infinity Wars came out. Yes. Very excited exciting. about that. Most excited. Um, and that's 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 what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about um, Infinity Wars and MCU, mm-hmm. which for those of you who are uninitiated, stands for Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and of course, after Infinity War came out and. Uh, and I finally saw it after a few days. Uh, Bobby, you were the first one that I called to talk about it. Oh my God, I'm honored. Because we <laughs> we do uh, we do kind of share um, share a, a a like and a love of that um, particular universe. Yeah. Um, and in particular, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, of course, we have a lot of opinions about a lot of the movies. But um, I thought uh, after talking to you for a little bit, I was like, I need to get I need to get microphones in front of us and actually record this conversation because I. Thought it was interesting, and there's certainly a lot that I don't know mm-hmm. that um, from from the comics themselves uh, that that uh, I feel like they're they're sort of hinting at or promising in future movies. Sure. That um, quite frankly, I don't know what to expect. So I I was hoping you could help help me out there a little bit. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you want to know? What do you what are you looking for? Well, so here's the thing. As far as the MCU is concerned, mm-hmm. um, I know. I mean, I've seen all the movies, so right, I know. Right. I know what I need to know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I can. Inf- you know, I've watched the Netflix shows. I've watched mm. Agents of Shield. You know, so sure. as far as that particular Earth, I think it's Earth nine nine nine. You're looking at me like don't don't ask me that. <laughs> I don't know that one. I don't know. I think it's Earth nine nine nine. So um so Marvel is broken up into universe or, or Earths. Right. Right. Um which are like different dimensions that uh different storylines can take place in without interfering with like the main story. Yeah, line. absolutely. Um and so 
uh, and I mean, can you can you speak to that? I, I, I feel like I'm talking like this is your episode. Can you speak to like the the different Earths and sort of where that came from? It, it, there's always seemed to be this uh, in in comics, like you have different people wanting to do different storylines with the same character. And I think that was just like a clever solution for, but I want to write Spider-Man. So like, let me, let me do like with the ultimates, things like that. And like you have your amazing, your spectacular, your superior, like you have all these different, these different storylines with the same character, but okay, well now I can do something different that maybe like, well, I want, I want this Spider-Man to be Doc Ock, which happens, you know, like in the comics after he, he passes away, Doc Ock like ends up getting inside of his body and he takes over and he becomes like the superior Spider-Man. Um, which had some really, really good art. Which is, and just a great character. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Personally, I thought that it was such a unique idea and and handled really interestingly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the costume was great, too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, <laughs> and so I, th- I think these, like, the, the usage, of, because, like, the, the, that's nothing new. I mean, they do it in DC. You have your Crisis on Infinite Earths. You have all of your, you have your different worlds. So I think, A, you always give yourself a backdoor. You always have a reason right. to be like, well, uh, that was a dream. <laughs> this is, yeah, and this then, is a different version. Yeah, of Doctor and, Strange. And then you you have your your way to to kind of like do grander, bigger, far reaching, impactful. Like, well, if this person dies here, we can still give you a Spider Man somewhere else, but right. but it, we can at least make this death feel worthwhile for what it is. Right, and so. But and comics didn't, but that it didn't start out that way. It started out, um, especially on. I don't know a lot about DC, but I assume it's the same. But on the Marvel end, it definitely did start out where they were sort of unique in the sense, you know, and kind of separated themselves out from DC because they placed their characters in the real world. Right, right, Whereas right. Whereas DC created Metropolis mm-hmm. and Gotham City and sort of these um, these uh, analogs for right. real cities. And you kind of knew that, uh, you know, Metropolis was obviously a stand-in for New York mm-hmm. and, um, you know, things like that. But, like, what, what Stan Lee and, like, Ditko and Kirby did was they placed their characters in right. the city. Yeah, they could be your neighbor. Spider-Man could yeah. live by you. Yeah, he, he he's on the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. He, he lives in Queens. He's here. Right. Um, and so... So early on, the timeline was it was it was our it was basically our Earth, mm-hmm. like one removed, you right. know. Um, but yeah, like you said, as as storytellers came on, as different scripts were written, mm-hmm. people wanted to take the characters in different directions, and suddenly you get even in the Spider Man. And this is going to be very Spider Man heavy, by the way, <laughs> uh, everybody. Um, that'll be the point of reference for a lot of it. But you start getting, you know, it starts going from Amazing Spider Man to then, you know, you get Spectacular Spider Man, mm-hmm. and you get just like you indicated. And that was because people wanted to do different things with the characters, right? And suddenly, you have so many storylines happening at once that you need to justify it, right? And they come up with this idea, like you said, of oh, that's a different earth right and and because you because you don't want the character that you've spent years writing oh i i really i'm so attached like miles morales oh i'm so attached to miles morales right well now i'm told well that he's not the real spider-man he doesn't exist in my universe and so that's also a good way to like bring in characters who maybe weren't there in the beginning you know like miles is now a part of the main continuity right he he and peter both have the mantle of spider-man and that's awesome right you know like 
not to, I know this is MCU, but like to harken back to like DC, Harley Quinn introduced and then brought into the comics thanks to the animated series. Right. And so th- I think that's very interesting that like she w- and she's now such a staple. I oh, mean, she's huge. And so and and that comes from essentially like a, a an offshoot, a, a a a alternate universe version of it. Right. It's awesome. So so the main Marvel. Uh, Timeline is uh, 616, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of your main, going back to the beginning, Marvel stories. Mm -hmm. That's where Peter came from. That's where Tony came from. That's where they all come from. Caps punching Hitler. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that comes from a little (laughs) earlier, but they they found a way to bring him back. But so the 616. So then, so so I believe the MCU is 999. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and that allows them to not only tell different origins, but they can tell different stories that are similar to the comics that are pulled from the comics, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily have to follow the same beats right. and the same, um, the same storyline, uh, different characters can get introduced or involved or not. Mm-hmm. And you sort of can get away with it. Um, so, so obviously I know, a, a lot about the movies based on that and and a lot of the history and origins of the characters in the movies um, are pretty self-explanatory and self-contained. Mm-hmm. But because they do pull a lot from the comics, mm-hmm. um, I don't know a lot about the 616 in terms of like who some of these other characters are that they're that they're mentioning or promising are mm-hmm. going to come up. So uh, characters like... Uh, uh, Adam Warlock. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's so weird. Yeah, but it's like you get you get responses from people who know at least what kind of to expect from this character. Right. And here's somebody for me that I have no idea who he is, where he comes from, what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, the name sounds stupid to me. Oh, it's well, and his and the thing about Adam, Adam Warlock as a character, uh, I it seemed to me that. Uh, just in case, uh, there probably will be spoilers for at least most of these movies. Like I'll just, I'm just going to speak freely. So, spoilers if you haven't seen up to Infinity War. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movies, you shouldn't be listening to this. Yeah, that'd be a big bad idea. But um, <laughs> but I feel like Adam Warlock uh, vision in these movies is kind of a stand-in for him a little bit because oh, okay. the in the comics, like there's this this thing called the Enclave, and they make this like perfect entity, and it's called him. And then he this him ends up like flying out into space because he disagrees with the reason why they're doing all these things. And then he meets these like celestial entities, and they give him the name Warlock, and he's given the Soul Gem, and then he places it like in his forehead, a lot like a lot like Vision with with his Infinity Gem, mm-hmm. and they do this uh this sort of he ends up coming back to earth and he has like these very celestial powers and he has like matter manipulation and he can pull your soul into the soul gem and because he becomes friends with gamora and pip the troll when they're still sort of working for thanos and there's this whole he like he disagrees with the way thanos does things and all this stuff and and there's also this God, it's so convoluted. He meets <laughs> he meets this character named like Magus or or Magus. I've only ever I've only ever read it. And you later reveal it's Adam Warlock from the future because oh, having okay. the Soul Gem drives him insane. And so, in an attempt to stop his own future from getting to this point, he pulls his soul into the Soul Gem. Right. And then he's like, "We're fine." And then he kind of like moves on. And when he comes back to Earth, he's given the name Adam by like teenagers. 
Um, to give you a, a clear indication of what he looks like, he has vaguely orange skin, the shortest shorts, a <laughs> polo shirt that's like also orange, this like feathered blonde hair, yeah. and then a gem sticking out of his forehead. Okay. And he was kind of, he's was one of the more main catalysts for what the Infinity War and like Infinity Gauntlet kind of became in the comics. Right. Um, Did he come out, I mean, clearly, like, what was his character like introduced in like 1983 or something? I, I, I think he was like a 70s or 80s. Okay. Like, he's yeah. definitely, I mean, he is a byproduct of his era. Like, when you just look at him, his huge <laughs> collar, his like tiny cape. Right. Like, um, and the, the infinity, I think, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that's how Thanos goes, oh, I know what the infinity gems are now. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get these for myself and I'm going to use them to like, the original I think was like, I'm going to blow up the sun, uh, was his kind of, mm. his, his main modus operandi for how he was going to go about doing what he wanted to do right. to impress Lady Death, which was a very interesting thing in the comics, but obviously I'm really glad they bailed out of that in the movies. Yeah. Well, so based on that though, what, what? What possible, um, since he already kind of, from the comics, he already kind of has the stand-in like you indicated with Vision, mm-hmm. what what could Adam Warlock possibly add to the MCU? Why introduce him now? I, I think there's an interesting challenge with how do we make a character relevant? Because th- th- that feels like what a, a James Gunn does with Guardians, which was when I remember being in a... It's funny because my my relationship with the MCU is I was at a comic book store in Fort Pierce, Florida, where I was living at the time, the day they announced Robert Downey Jr. was going to be playing Iron Man. Okay. And and I remember there were like these these older guys. I'm like a kid. I'm standing around and all these guys were kind of like debating whether or not he was going to be the right choice for this. And so, um, and I remember that the guy behind the counter was vehemently like, I know he's going to be perfect. And other people were like, no, he's lame. He's not going to be good. How do you, how do you argue that though? And, but, but I think, I wonder if that's something we now know with hindsight. Yeah. Because at the time I was a kid, so I didn't really know <clears throat> yeah. much about him other than Chaplin. I mean, I agree with you that, that hindsight may play into it, but I remember thinking at the time, I mean, if you knew even a cursory amount of mm-hmm. Tony Stark, which anybody did at that time, sure, he sure. was not, the character that he yeah. is now, mm-hmm. you know, he was like second tier at best. Right. And so it was like, but if you knew anything about him mm-hmm. and you knew anything about uh, Robert Downey Jr., it was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you need, you need kind of a, a burnt out alcoholic who can, you know, who's, who's still, who can turn the charm on when he wants right, to, yeah. you know? And, and like, I remember, I mean, I remember thinking back then, I'm a little older than you are, I guess, but I remember thinking back then, like, yeah. Of course, right. <laughs> you know, the fact that he did it so well mm-hmm. and that it catapulted not only his star back into the mm-hmm. mainstream, but also the entire franchise itself right. into what it is now. Like, I don't think anybody could have expected that. But as far as like playing Tony Stark, it mm-hmm. just, yeah, oh, it was perfect fit. Well, I, I, I don't know if this was at the time, but they talked about Tom Cruise was also somebody they were like looking at for it. And the the a, the, the alternate bad universe where... <laughs> he becomes Tony Stark in the movies. I would really, I would love to see the Vanilla Sky version of <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah, but uh, but but to but to answer your question about like, what does Adam Warlock do, or or what 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 is it? What would his place be in a modern MCU? I think there, I think there's an interesting. 
There's a challenge because Guardians, which is the universe he he'll more be a, a part of in the comics, like that was kind of the after credit scene for Guardians Two of right. like we're gonna call him Warlock. Look at this cocoon. We are a, an engineered race, which was kind of what the Enclave was on Earth, which was we we want to engineer the perfect being, mm-hmm. and so. I'm very curious as to whether that means he will kind of be the I am overpowered, I can do things that like nobody else can do, and I'm above you in this weird way, and I'm like part celestial and I can do all these other things and I have these amazing abilities, or if they're if they're trying to find a way for if you want to do your like what is perfect means story with a character other than Captain America, mm-hmm. where if you're you're built and told you're perfect, well then where do we go from here? Right. Because I remember uh, when people were like, oh, yeah, they're doing the Guardians of the Galaxy. The thought of like, oh, you're going to see Rocket Raccoon and Groot running around <laughs> right. on screen. You're like, that's not going to work. Yeah. And then and then it becomes the biggest one. And Groot is everybody's favorite character right. now. Uh, and you, I mean, the same thing with Vision. When they were like, Vision's going to be in the movies. I was like, I'm very excited for this. But that could be... I mean, the the beginning of Vision story was, I'm an artificial human. Are my emotions artificial? Does this give me credence to feeling love towards Scarlet Witch? Right. And so I, I think this, because Marvel has always been about, let's observe the human condition as closely as we can. Whereas I feel like, you know, with DC, you're observing it from afar. Superman yeah. is this is this god. And, yeah. and as such, when we... Um, observe his view of humanity we're seeing it through a lens that's not our own right it felt like you're looking through a window into marvel comics i'm i'm peter parker boy do girls suck (laughs) (laughs) right well and i think we've talked about that before too is is you know that difference uh personally that i've always felt uh dc versus marvel is that dc uh you know and probably just by virtue of the fact that they started with superman right um you know their archetypes their big 3 their you know mm-hmm. their characters always seem to be the best blank right. the most blank mm-hmm. the strongest blank you know and so it's like uh very sort of um superlative heavy mm-hmm. like oh he's She's the best at whatever it is the that she's doing. Greatest the greatest detective. Yeah. The fastest man yeah. alive. It's the not, man without fear. It's not like, enough that Batman is like uh, like this super billionaire, but mm-hmm. he's also like the world's greatest <laughs> detective and the world's greatest like martial art. You know, it's right. just like you couldn't just give him one thing. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing to me that that that's accessible to right, that. Right, yeah. And the fact that Marvel is like, these are people that are flawed, mm-hmm. you know, they uh, they do. What just happened? I don't know. Uh, we just lost. Oh, we're back. Yeah, okay. we're back. Um, <laughs> Bobby shifted in his chair, and we lost sound for a second. <laughs> Ruined everything. Um, but uh, that that they do awful things to each other that mm-hmm. they're not even hinting at in the movie sometimes. Yeah, especially with like. Some of the Ant Man stuff, not the not the Scott Lang stuff, but, the Hank Pym, but the Hank Pym, like, long yeah, like, <laughs> like all brother. sorts of awful things yeah. that you wouldn't expect from mainstream comics that, um, you know, that just kind of make them a little more accessible and human. So it is, you know, they don't. I don't think they've made a necessary misstep yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made not so great movies yeah. in the Thor series, yeah, um, but. But they they still haven't taken a character and completely derailed the entire mm-hmm. thing. So I, I I believe that they sort of know the trajectory that they're going on, and and the addition of these characters are going to be mm-hmm. useful and interesting. But it's just from from the standpoint of 
not knowing anything about it and just pure speculation, it is kind of like, well, who, what, what is, what are they going to do? And it's funny because piggybacking just even on the, the difference between Marvel and DC, I've always really liked Marvel was always, Marvel was never afraid to be a sign of the times. Right. So the women were written really, really badly in the beginning. And then eventually they started incorporating like black characters who did not have black in front of their (laughs) character name. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and, and they, and there have been storylines that have dealt with like, uh, uh, infidelity, uh, like abuse, um, which it's which it also doubles back to some stuff that happens in Infinity War that I think is like oddly prescient and very good between Thanos and Gamora in regards to like abusive relationships and mm-hmm. what and what it means to like love and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's always why I've liked the MCU and where I really hope the movies go in the future as more of an examination of the human condition through people who are given extraordinary abilities. Can you maintain being extraordinary when you're still human? Right. And so, because you know, like black Panther was a huge deal. I mean, even, even around where we work, the cultural impact that Black Panther the movie, whether or not you like the movie, is almost irrelevant. The impact it has for kids mm-hmm. who are who are black and are growing up in America, and now they have this is this is a superhero who looks like me yeah. and and is is good like is a good well written character. Yeah, and they they finally people are having the. I mean that's why when Wonder Woman came out, people were talking about like little girls now finally have like, right. She is strong. She's just as strong as anybody else. So like yeah. nobody gets to bully you now. And you I love the thing that I loved about both of those movies, um, was reading the response of, uh, you know, women, uh, African Americans alike sort of, coming out of those respective movies and saying like, is this what white guys feel every time you see a movie? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, sorry, we were hogging all of yeah. that. You know, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like to to see something that we kind of almost take for granted, mm-hmm. you know, as like, oh, this, yeah, this is the expectation. Like, yeah, we see ourselves on screen and we walk out of there going like, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and, and then to see people who have never experienced that before. Right. And for for me, making the realization, like, you've never experienced that before. Yeah. And and just that initial wave of of just like, awe and pleasure and shock of mm-hmm. just going like holy crap i'm wonder woman you know yeah, and it's just like yeah, yeah good for you <laughs> right yeah well and, and and the you know because i feel like we both work in the arts which is a generally far more inclusive community you have people of every you know like whatever you want to call it race creed belief what like all of those things you have these people who you're used to a very inclusive mindset and the fact that that isn't the example across the board for the rest of the world let alone just where we live yeah it's really special to see 20 movies add up to this one movie where there's everyone standing around and you have your black panthers and your war machines and your scarlet witch and your captain america and everybody gets to look at somebody who's on the avengers and go hey that that person's for me that's awesome and even even people who like and and finally, I think the MCU gives you like a villain. You can generally be like, I kind of want to be that guy. <laughs> like, Iconic, yeah, yeah. Well, let's so let's talk about Infinity War sure. for a little bit because um, you know it 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 is sort of you know it it would be easy to kind of talk about the rest of the MCU and the movies leading up to it, but it really mm-hmm. does encapsulate sort of all of the elements of it, including mm-hmm. you know Homecoming a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and I think pulls it off. 
pretty well. I I dig it. It's a lot of movie. Yeah. You know, and I think for the most part they they pull it off. And and I think if you like let's say you're not a big fan of superhero movies, fine. But I don't think you can deny in any way the cultural significance or like the the just societal impact of we made 20 movies. They right. are all connected in some way. Right. And they culminate in this new movie. Right. And you, th- these are all people you've seen before, and we trust you to understand yeah. the the jokes or the references that we're making. And th- I mean, like, you, you, yeah, maybe you have your James Bond, maybe you have, but like, nothing with a continued narrative on this scale with people maintaining the same characters yeah. for a decade, and that that was the plan from the beginning, right? Like right. the long the long term vision of uh, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, the long term vision of the the movies was leading up to this moment, yeah, and the fact that it was you know they were patient and they mm-hmm. you know and they and they were consistent and they and it was like it was almost like they were creating a club that anybody could join right so that by the time you actually walked through the doors in mm-hmm. infinity war it it could just be nothing but inside references nothing yeah. but you know where it was just like if you're not if you're not with it yet then you're not gonna be right you right. know um because it, it really i mean they 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 waited they they gave people a lot of time and like you said they created a lot of Characters an opportunity to get people along the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, this doesn't interest you. Well, wait for this one. Right, right. Oh, wait, wait until you see yourself here. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, it's a it's a modern mythology. I mean, yeah. like you know, that's that's not a that's not a new stance to take. But this is an Iliad or an Odyssey. It is an epic poem. Right. That you know, we we have these almost mythological cre I mean some literally mythological right you know and and they're all sharing the screen and they're all talking to each other and we are and you know it's funny because you think about the first phase like you think about your your Iron Man your cap your Hulk poor Edward Norton and then you <laughs> you know your Avengers your uh Iron Man 2 and you you have that I mean at the time that felt like the moon. It felt like going to the moon. Yeah. And then if you were to tell me in 2008, hey, you're going to go from seeing Iron Man and Nick Fury in one movie and he's going to reference other superheroes. Ten years from now, you're going to see every superhero right. you have ever thought about in one movie together. Right. And then at the end of all of that, they're going to mention more that you haven't even right, seen. Right, yeah. Like this, this sort of tease for an even greater universe yeah. is is he's gonna he's gonna get a pager out, mm-hmm. and you're gonna see a symbol that you've not seen before, right? And if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not gonna recognize it. But it's just it's more, yeah. You know, God, and and the 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 promise of because the, there's a fatigue that I think a lot of people get with these movies. You know, mm-hmm. like it's. It's always the guy, the 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 hero wins. It it is, and and almost with minimal effort, like you know, they, they'll right. sacrifice a little bit along the way. But up until this movie, no one's really had like too detrimental of a loss. But right. he loses an arm, and that's about it. Cap loses some <laughs> right. time. But. Yeah. Well, and the thing you know, and I've I've heard it stated before, but I thought it was really interesting. It it is sort of the. Uh, the draw or the you know the the sort of inevitable flaw of the films mm-hmm. is that when you know that one has to lead into the other, you can't have a bad guy that affects the status quo too much. Too much, yeah. Because you have to be able to reset for the next movie, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like, yeah, you do unfortunately get sort of sandbagged with these villains that 
are, you know, come out of the gate strong, but inevitably everything has to go back to pretty semi-normalcy by the end of it, Mm -hmm. or else, you know, the next movie, as we're seeing with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mm -hmm. the next movie has to go back in time. Right, yeah. You know, because there's too much destruction, there's too much change happening <laughs> that you can't just start from that point and go like, well, where's life now? It's yeah. like, oh no, this this happens before all that. You know, and, and so it's, yeah. And I'm sure they'll lead into it and I'm sure they'll do something mm-hmm. really special with it and hopefully at the end of the movie people just start disappearing for yeah. no oh, reason, you know. God, so and the other characters don't understand why this is happening yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, I would say prior to, prior to Thanos, I think the most effective villain was probably... Um, Zemo. Hmm. Yeah. Just in terms of like, he actually did something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, it wasn't a power grab. It wasn't a physical right. act of aggression. It was a psychological, mental, <laughs> yeah. like I am turning you guys against each other. And whether or not we were able to see him again, because physically he was taken out of the picture, mm-hmm. th- his actions had longer ramifications for the entire uh certainly the entire team of the avengers Mm -hmm. where it was like he tore them apart and only now are we seeing them finally coming back together and and it's i think it's a very individual problem when it comes to making these movies but you have to think okay well how do we make the villain important how do we make the audience care about the villain without this becoming batman where the villains are far more interesting right. overall. Like that's where it becomes the, the sort of um, right the catch, you know. And and with this movie, they they kind of did that where they made because you had your backstories, you know Cap's story, you know everybody's story. You can now say, okay, now we're going to examine why Thanos is doing what he's doing, right? And let's see. How but that makes you us also feel. the way that they set it up, you were also able to meet him very early on, and even though you may not have gotten to know him, right, you knew who he was and what mm-hmm. to expect. And so, and I think that's like in the history of these types of movies, why the second version, the second movie always does better than the first mm-hmm. or is more well regarded because you can, you can just, you don't have to sit through the origin story. Right, right. And so, and, and with the villains of almost every Marvel movie, you have to, you have to sit through their origin. Right, yeah. But it's not an origin movie. You just have to sit through it for 20 mm-hmm. minutes before and then okay now we're on to the action and yeah. everything just happens so quick right oh and now he's beaten and he's gone bye you <laughs> yeah. know and, you're just and like, i'm dead forever like, <laughs> yeah cool yeah so my whole story was told in an hour but thanos you meet him almost immediately mm-hmm. or at least you get glimpses of him very early on right um and even though he looks a little different uh, <laughs> <laughs> they clearly didn't think that one through yeah um or they didn't have the technology back then that they do now right. um but but so y- you expect him from this movie. And so it's just like, okay, here's his intent. Here's what he's trying to do. He's getting, he's trying to collect all these stones. Mm -hmm. And now we know, we know what his objective is. Now we get to see what the reason is behind that objective. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, he's kind of sympathetic. Yeah. A bit, you know? And, and it's so funny because this movie for me felt like, uh, the lead up to it was like jaws. Like you, you, they keep hinting at the shark and you know, there's a shark and you know, there's a shark coming. And then this movie was just all shark for me. It was the best. (laughs) Like that's, that's what I want. I want to see the shark. I want to see the shark just messing people up for an hour and a half. And then they gave me two hours and 40 minutes of just him just destroying these people. Oh yeah. It was the best. Yeah. And the consistency of 
the character though and his Mm -hmm. singular intention Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of people in the day since have like sort of gone online to 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 make fun of or talk about the Mm -hmm. fact that like you know if he really wanted to save the universe he could have just created more resources resources as opposed to you know getting rid of half but like honestly i wasn't thinking that in the movie Mm. and i mean there's always the argument of like well you create more resources that creates complacency and now look at now we're uh, consuming twice as much right you know right exactly but as far as like his stated intention in the movie the fact that he didn't really delineate from that right and it was just like um even in even in the big battle scene uh, on uh, Titan, mm-hmm. and he was just like getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, although he was beating them pretty handily, but they just were not letting up. And then as soon as he got the stone, he's out. He was gone. Yeah, he wasn't there to fight. He Mm-mm. wasn't there to destroy anybody. He wasn't there to defeat anybody. Monologue. No. Yeah. He got it and he left. Mm-hmm. And it was like whoa. And the, and the th- and the best thing about Thanos is his first lines in the movie set up why the heroes will be failing throughout the entire movie. Right. Like he says, I know what it is to fail. I know what it means to want something so, so bad and to not get it. And he's describing to them their movies. We're <laughs> we're told yeah. that as long as you grit your teeth, good old Captain America is going to come out on top in the end. Right. And that's not how it works. Yeah. And this this was one of those things where you know, it's a superhero movie, it's whatever, but there's a little bit of like a slice of truth in that of the the guy you hate at work, there's a chance that guy's going to win. There's a chance that guy's going to get... He's going to end up being your boss. Yeah, he's going to be your boss. He's going he's gonna to get the promotion where you didn't because he put his head down and maybe did something underhanded when you didn't. There's, there's just a lot of implications to his ability to keep his eye on the horizon of the movie. Yeah. And you know when he's challenged with like it, it's so funny. I was I was talking about this earlier. The the heroes we don't trade lives is exactly what gives Thanos what he needs to win. Mm. He's willing to trade a life right. to do the greater thing one to one. I mean, like obviously it's that's writing, you know. But sure. But still, I I just I appreciate he just like sheds his tears, look at her, and is like, you got to die for this. Yeah, Bye-bye. and I think that's what makes him sort of sympathetic and interesting. Is like even if we disagree with his motives, mm-hmm. the fact that it's he also tends to disagree with them, mm-hmm. but but follows through on them anyway for the for you know for the greater good. for the greater good. Um, for the for the bigger picture, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he says as much. Like a lot of people s- see where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who can follow With through on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and it's just like so. Even he's not behind it a hundred percent, but he just he, as far as he's concerned, he that's what he. This is what he has mm-hmm. been burdened with, right? You know, and all he wants to do is just relax. And and it's funny that you talk about that. He does. He may not fully believe he should be the person to do it. He just knows he can. In the comics, that is his inevitable downfall. That is the thing. Right. Uh, there's so obviously in the in the in the comics when the snap happens, if the souls are taken, they are transported into a place called Soul World. It's like a place within the Infinity Gem itself. Mm-hmm. And that's how Strange and and those who in the comics are taken sort of find themselves 
um, at a place where they can they can gather the information needed to defeat Thanos. And right. within that, I'm pretty sure it's Strange who figures out, oh, Thanos doesn't believe he's worthy of this. And that's kind of where they they find his that heel that they need to like take him out. Right. Um, also, there's a very weird thing in the comics where like Nebula gets the gauntlet and she goes nuts and she's like, uh, but she doesn't really know how to use it. And then Thanos is basically able to like convince her to give it back. Like he's just gonna like give me that back. Um, <laughs> okay. And then, um, so uh, just for clarification, then I know you keep uh, so there, there's there's two distinctions between the movies and the comics. So mm-hmm. in the movies, they're called stones, right? You know. The Infinity Stones, and then in the comics, they're called gems. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's the soul gem, and it's it's yeah. all the gems. Yeah, I just and and I I mean you've been correct. I just wanted to point out oh, that, okay. that in the comics they're called gems, and you will hear some people like insist on calling. They're like, I'm not calling them stones. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're the gems, and they're truly, truly outrageous. They're outrageous. But, but God, there, there's I I just it's crazy to think you are given. This promise of like I, I it's the reason why I like comics in the first place. There is just this continued art meets story, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to examine the human condition without this like this reflection on yourself in a way. Like that's you know sometimes when you read a book, the book is kind of it's it's there to make you challenge your own perceptions. And I feel like sometimes with a comic book, you're kind of given an opportunity to just, you relax, let us tell you a story, right. and we'll bring in the humanity as we need it. You don't need to color your own... You don't need to imagine what the character's feeling. We're going to show you on their face. Right, right. And, and there's, something, there's something very comforting about that in a way that I've always really liked. It meets, you know, like... It, it meets two of my favorite things, which are art and reading. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's just something I've always enjoyed. And sure. so these movies become like a logical next step for well, how do we delineate this to the just the general public? And like, hey, there's a party over here if you guys want to check it out. And 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 that right. that sort of that feeling of and Black Panther's there, Spider Man's <laughs> there is great. Yeah. Um, there's uh and 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 but how interesting that something that can be so thought out and planned and meticulous Mm -hmm. um still uh remain and i think it's a credit to everybody working over at marvel slash disney um that that it's still open-ended enough that when opportunities arise Mm -hmm. things change or public perception suddenly goes in a different direction than perhaps they initially thought that Mm -hmm. they can sort of roll with it and and roll those characters in Mm -hmm. you could not have guessed that at the beginning of phase one that that somehow um, Marvel was going to get Spider-Man back right, yeah. in such a deal mm-hmm. that they would be able to like make their own movie right. with him and and also fold him. In, you know what I mean? And so it's like the fact that they were able to sort of take what had already been established and um, nearly seamlessly fit him into the narrative. Right. Um, you know, uh, with Homecoming, um, you know, but making his debut in Civil War and stuff right. and just going like, yep. That 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 always needed to happen, and he's been here. And don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, which also their their ability to make you not question where things are coming from or why they're happening. Right. And I think that comes from the blanket of we have we're printing our own money now. Yeah, you know, it's very easy to be generous when you are the richest person on the blog. You know, <laughs> right. and like because to me the far reaching appeal of right now the biggest video game in the world is is this video game Fortnite. They put Thanos in it. 
I just saw that. And like, yeah. it's crazy. And it's so easy for them to do so. The Russo brothers approached them because they were a fan of the game. When you have people who are fans of the thing they're making, there will always be the opportunity for more fun, for more for more wide-reaching and, and interesting approaches to things. I mean, like for Homecoming, they like you said, they didn't do the they didn't do the origin. Right. You know, for once they just were like, he got bitten by a spider. You get it. Let's move. Like, right. And there was a beautiful moment where it's, it's very brief, but, but it's almost, you know, and and maybe I was looking for it, but there is a beautiful moment where there's just a, there's just a passing look on Peter's face Mm -hmm. and you know, he's thinking about uncle Ben. Oh my God. And it's just like, that's all I needed to Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. We've seen it so many times, but it was just like in that one moment you go, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. this still happened. You know, but but my point is like the fact that you they couldn't have known what the future was going to hold in terms of like what we know now. Sure. But then thinking back on it and going, how do you make Infinity War without Spider-Man? Yeah. Even though this was the plan the entire time. It's Mm -hmm. just like it's it's fascinating. Yeah. And the 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 need to not only know the pieces you have, but the ability to incorporate pieces you didn't know you were going to get. You know, like the 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 incorporation of Doctor Strange in the MCU, the the movie's good, the movie's fine, right? But it, they didn't take the time to make Strange as really as I don't want to overuse the word epic because that's just such an internet thing to do, but like the a character that is as mystical as Doctor Strange is, as weird as every other. These are gods and monsters. We have the Incredible Hulk and it's gamma radiation, and he's this monster, and we have Thor, who's a god, and Captain America, and Doctor Strange is a literal wizard right. who is in charge of a necklace, <laughs> right. who makes sure that your dimension is safe. That is such a weird backdoor to the. Well, there's more. It's it's like what Nick Fury says in the beginning of of uh, at the end of Iron Man one after the credits. He goes, "You think you're the only superhero in the world, right?" Just such a just a small thing, and they made sure to go back and Ant Man has existed. They made sure that when they got the opportunity, they made sure that Nick Fury wasn't just saying something that would be cool for that movie. Right, right. You know, they spent the time that there were superheroes, Captain America. They hint at the original Human Torch at the World's Fair in First Avenger. Like yeah. they do a lot of well, because at the time it just seemed like it was a promise for future movies, right? Oh wow, we're gonna get to see people at the same time. But mm-hmm. then narratively, you see that they're actually going back and they're filling in timelines mm-hmm. from long before uh, Iron Man one right. even starts. Yeah, and you know it's interesting to uh, my uh, wife Gemma and I. Uh, you know Gemma, I do. Um, we, in anticipation of one of the movies, um, went back and watched them all uh, in chronological order. Nice, very. You cool. know, and so yeah, it's it's interesting to to start. Um, I think it, I think it's, does it start with Captain America? But -hmm. then it was like, um, but then it was like the TV shows. It was, um, uh, Carter, Agent Carter, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was just like, it was, it was, it was interesting to watch from a chronological standpoint and how still it pretty much fit Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah. Where things weren't referenced until they were introduced and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you go like, wow, they really map this out right and and the the i i wonder how how 
great it is to be in the Marvel offices while they're saying, okay, well now uh, we're going to make Captain Marvel a movie. Uh, We're going to go ahead. She's most likely going to be Captain when Captain America's gone for us. Why don't we go ahead and set that one in the 90s? Right. (laughs) You know, just such an interesting, because 91 is when the the big event where, where Winter Soldier kills Howard Stark. So there's this very clear that puts us in a very specific time. Like it's making the nineties, oddly a very, a very important time for the MCU in general. Yeah. And then, and like they, and like vision says, there's that singularity, the moment, one thing happens, it starts to rapidly happen again and again and again, and it, it extrapolates outward. And now hopefully soon, I don't know, are we going to see a Galactus? Are we going to see Dr. Doom? Are they ever going to try to incorporate the Fantastic Four? Right. Are we going to go with somebody like MODOK? How how deep in space are we going? Yeah. You know, there's there's this very, that we've already shown that Vision could lift the hammer. Groot in that little reference in in Infinity War, he lifts the hammer like he does in the comics. Yeah. Supposedly, they cut Beta Ray Bill from Ragnarok. They're they're working hard to say, we know that there's a lot to offer, and we want to give it to you. Right. Just have patience. Yeah. Howard the Duck is in these movies. Yeah. The greatest Marvel <laughs> character to ever exist. Everyone agrees with this. And they should. He's yeah. the best. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> so dumb. No, it's... Uh, so, so, as far as, like... Um, I guess it's a bit of a different question from where you think they're mm-hmm. going with the movie to where you uh, would like them to go mm-hmm. or what, what do you think would be an interesting sort of thing that maybe they would never do in a million years, but just based on what you know from the comics or... If they would never do it in a million years, you double down. Your Infinity War Part 2 mm-hmm. is the heroes are dead. They are dead and done. Right. And Thanos finds a way to destroy the stones completely, the gems completely. And your Spider-Man Homecoming 2 is Miles Morales. Your Guardians 3, or yeah, your Guardians 3 is the Guardians they set up at the end of Guardians 2. Your Black Panther 2 is Shuri. And you never apologize. You literally, you refuse to back down. You double down on the deaths. And right. you go like, sorry. That's it. Because <laughs> uh, the, the thought, because A, you could do that and i mean like granted you would lose you would alienate most of your audience but but the thought to, the thought to me that because these are mantles mm-hmm. you know in the comics these are things that you're kind of like you don't need to be peter parker to be spider-man which is a very interesting right. thought especially for you and i as two brunette white men who <laughs> who like yeah we look like peter parker yeah so but the, the thought that like Captain America has been given to a few people. Mm-hmm. You know, Thor has been given to a few people. The, I mean, the, Jane Foster is Thor for a bit. Um, and so there, there's this this great idea that, that once again, greatness can come from anywhere. Uh, anyone can cook. And so uh, I, I would love to see the movies in the future, even if not with Infinity War Part Two. I would like to see them start showing a more realistic side of what it would mean to be a superhero mm-hmm. of yeah, your colleagues are going to die. Like that's going to happen because you're constantly defending the world. You don't get to win every time. Right. And maybe we, we show that like being a superhero take, I mean, they've done it with Iron Man, even if you don't like Iron Man two and three, right. uh, especially three, mostly three, <laughs> mostly. Uh, <laughs> you, you, they've done a good job of showing like being a superhero has taken a very large toll on Tony Stark. Oh yeah. And I wish, I mean, you can't, you can't do it because you're working at Disney, but you do your demon in the bottle storyline in earnest where Tony is willing to drink himself into a stupor because he has PTSD. Right. You know, you, you, maybe you do to, I mean, you can't, once again, it's Disney, but maybe you touch on the fact that like Hank and Janet hit each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a, there's a very, there's an opportunity to show kids 
not only can the world be perfect, but it's not. You know, right. that's what I liked about the Thanos and Gamora stuff. They show that he loved her even though he was basically just an abusive dad. Right. Like in abusive relationships, those people believe that they love these people. There's never a question of that. Yeah. It just means that the way that they love is toxic. It's and and I think that these movies now they've they've taken their time to show your perfect stories. I don't know. This movie is the biggest movie in America. In twelve days it made over a billion dollars. Yeah. People clearly don't mind knowing that the hero doesn't always win. Right, you know, because not everybody read the comics. Although, uh, you know, it, it it does raise an interesting point because the big assumption is, you know, just given the marketing of future movies that 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 they have to come back. Oh yeah, yeah, they're gonna come back. And, but you know, it would be an interesting thing, like you said, if if everybody just suddenly was like, oh no, they're not coming back. Yeah, sorry. And there is, you know, the funny thing is that there is precedence for it, um, because a lot of what the MCU sort of like took from the comics or what what they eventually came. Uh, came about from was the ultimate mm-hmm. line right. of comics, um, which you sort of mentioned earlier, and and is sort of what I actually just just am finishing up reading the mm-hmm. entire run of. So it's fresh in my mind, and I now see a lot of those influences. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started reading comics, um, it was it was sometime in the early to mid nineties. Um, and I remember I, I, I've been trying to rack my brain for the last few days, what the specifics of this situation was, but I remember being with a friend somewhere Mm -hmm. that his parents had taken us. And I don't, it it could not have been like a comic book convention, but it just, I can't think of any other situation where this would have happened, but it was near the end. I remember being in a big warehouse that was emptying out. This guy came up with a box and he goes, do you want this? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and it was it was full of Spider-Man comics. Okay. And that was my first like introduction to it. it. was literally a dude just handing me a bunch. Right. Now, keep in mind that this was the early to mid-90s. And it was probably all this, all the stuff that he himself hated. Right. Because there was a lot to hate from that sure. time. Clone Saga. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff right. was happening at that time. But those were the ones that were given to me. Right. And not knowing any better, I was just like... <gasps> What is this? And mm-hmm. I just I I became enamored with it. Sure. And I would get comics every once in a while when I could get a ride to the store and stuff, but then it wasn't really until college that I started being able to purchase it for myself. Sure. And and it was about 2000 that the Ultimate line came out, mm-hmm. which is where they restarted. Right. They basically said, "We're going to restart for a new generation, all new origins." Updated, modern, mm-hmm. brand new. Look at Peter Parker's hair. Look at how modern he is. Oh, <laughs> I hate his hair. It's so stupid. And they comment on it enough that you would think that the artist would just learn. Like, <laughs> if you have to change his haircut every third issue, like maybe you're just drawing him like a douche. <laughs> um, but but so that's so that's kind of where I like planted my feet, and mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I like this version of Peter Parker. He's a little right. closer to me. I mm-hmm. get it. I liked. How even at that time, pre-MCU, they started fitting origins together. They started fitting things in under this umbrella of, oh, it's not just random acts of radiation that happens Mm -hmm. to be creating all these characters, but there's reasons behind it. Right. They're Mm government-sponsored. You know, they're all trying to create the super soldier serum Mm -hmm. and messing up in different ways and creating all these offshoot characters. Um and so when when the MCU came out and and they pulled a lot from that idea right. and even in the Ultimates Nick Fury was a black guy who mm. was drawn to look like Samuel L Jackson right you know which is a tradition that goes way back in comics of using 
like celebrities and stuff for your characters, but you know, they were they were pushing pretty hard. So I'm sure when they made the movies, they were like, we, we got to get Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Well, it's, it's like that story for when uh, Patrick Stewart was signing on for the X-Men movie. Somebody showed him the cover and he was literally like, why did they draw me right. on the cover? And they're like, no, this guy's been bald for, <laughs> right. for so, so long. But Don't it's worry. like, oh, I got I to play it. Yeah. Um, uh, so where was I going with this? So, um, so only recently, though, did I start reading outside of the Ultimate Spider-Man line mm-hmm. to see kind of how it all sort of played out together. And the one sort of promise that the Ultimate Comics made early on was that when somebody dies, they stay dead. Right. And they held true to that for a mm-hmm. little bit yeah. until they couldn't anymore. Right, yeah. But, but so uh, so that, that was my original point. So there is precident for that mm-hmm. in the MCU if they, if they really if they wanted really to wanted go to. that route to say, once somebody's dead, they stay dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and it... <clears throat> worked for the most part mm-hmm. um ultimates it gets weird mm-hmm. it gets really oh, it gets weird. Super weird and it gets not great at yeah. certain points especially when the color palette turns like all purple for some reason like i don't know why they but anyway but like when wolverine dies he stays dead yeah you know That's and good. it's like yeah you have to spend a few issues getting to know his son who suddenly exists oh, that you never knew about. Yeah. But then, but that becomes kind of a compelling character on its sure, own. Sure. So there is, there is a way to take these new ideas mm-hmm. of the guardians of the galaxy, take these new ideas of so-and-so right. and, you know, create a new, and I think the reason that they had to kill off so many ultimate characters in the books was because they were 10 years on. They themselves were getting old fashioned. Yeah, seriously. And so they had to restart Mm -hmm. and we're 10 years on into the movie. So it would not be like a changing of the guard. Wouldn't be outside the realm of, yeah, possibility that they would just say, you know what? New fans, new types of characters. Mm -hmm. My issue and question with Peter Parker and Miles Morales Mm -hmm. is that they've already turned Peter Parker in the movies into Miles yeah. Morales, or they've 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 taken his elements, right? Yeah, they've taken what was really great about Miles and, and was already established him. Yeah, yeah. E- even down to like the the Asian best friend, right? Yeah, you know where Ned. it's just like Ned in the movies, Genki in the in the comics, but right. it's like that's Miles Morales' thing. Yeah, he's got the Asian friend who knows his secrets, who loves Legos, mm-hmm. who's building a. Da- I mean, it's like yeah. they literally they just lifted it, took the Miles Morales origin story mm-hmm. and then just put a white guy in it yeah you know what i mean and which which sucks because donald glover when he's pl- a should have been miles morales but b when they <laughs> right. when they do the uh, or peter i don't even give it, i don't care but uh <laughs> but you when they he references his nephew and right and you're like that's miles that's like morales, they're yeah. literally referencing him and so how would they then would they just make him peter basically like how do you right they just yeah they flip it yeah but <laughs> it's it's so it, were all of us just was was some person tasked to come into all of our lives and hand us a box filled with comics? Is that what happened to you too? My na- my my dad, uh, my parents worked a lot when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and so I was kind of home. I was I'm an only child, and my neighbor had this like Sega, and he was like, "Do you want to play? You want to play Mortal Kombat?" And I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> and I shouldn't have because Vince later turned out to be let's come back. Like Vince was doing cocaine and like all these other things. Like yeah. I learned a lot about Vince. I'm not saying if you do cocaine you're scumbag. I'm just saying Vince did quite a lot of cocaine. And so he was like, "Come over to my come over to my house." And like at their place, they had these these dogs. And they had the second. It was super cool. Uh, a lot of leopard print furniture, and they had uh, the VHS copy of Spawn. 
Okay. Which was great. The animated, like the animated Spawn, and then obviously the movie. And then he, we were playing Mortal Kombat, and he goes, I don't want to read these anymore. Do you want them? And then he brings a box of comics, and I open it up, and once again, Spider-Man. Yeah. And so it was Spider-Man, um, some different runs of the X-Men. Uh, there was some DC in there, and then there were some other, like, just literally things like Archie and, and things like that. And when I showed my dad what he gave me, he was like, oh, I don't know you'd be into that. Here, I'll be right back. He comes he comes back with another box, once again, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. And, and that was when... I, so I only had those comics for... Years and years and years until I got to, uh, to high school. And then that was when there was a comic book shop that opened up nearby us. And so I could kind of go and, and try to find things for myself. Right. Which was, which was easier said than done because when you're a child, you have terrible, terrible taste. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember specifically, uh, I think my parents went out of town and my grandma was watching us. And I remember specifically asking her to take me to the comic book store to buy a gold foil variant mm. cover for mm. a Venom issue. Right. And she looked at me and like gave me many chances to <laughs> to not do it. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, and she was very kind and sure, she was very sure. loving about it. But she, I remember specifically her being like, this is, you sure this is what you want? Yeah. And you know, and I was just like, yes. This is all I need. Yes. You know. I'll be complete. <laughs> yeah. I already have another copy of this, but this has gold foil mm-hmm. on the front, so I need it. And look at his tongue. He's yeah. crazy, Grandma. <laughs> yeah. But And she's like, it's $6. And I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fine with me. Because she's like, I'm buying it. My parents gave me the same face. I did the uh, Pokemon Trading Card League at Toys R Us. Yep. Where you went and you battled. Well, that's all the time we have. <laughs> no, wait. Sorry, everybody. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and, and God, just the... Do, do you feel weird that comics are now the thing for everybody? I feel, um, I mean, here's the thing. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I think feel a sense of ownership that some people do because Mm -hmm. I got into it a little later, Mm -hmm. even though I have always sort of loved Spider-Man, I couldn't have told you a lot about him as far as like individual issues or, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as the history of the comics were concerned. And so I feel like if I ever got too up in arms about how many people love comics right. now, I would be a bit of a fraud. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? But I, I can see where mm-hmm. I was never picked on for it. Mm. It was never anything that I was like, I let on. I, I, I had many more things that I was picked on oh, for sure, sure. that had nothing to do with well, comics. You know what yeah. I mean? That was sort of like, you know, so, but I can see where if, if you sort of wore that as a badge of honor and mm-hmm. you got picked on for it your entire life and then all of a sudden the bully who, you know, gave you shit for your entire life for it suddenly was like posting about how great Iron Man 1 was, right. you'd be a bit like, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, th- there, I had a, uh, I had this novel. It was a, it, understand, this is a novelization of, it is a novel about Spider-Man. Spider-Man goes to the Everglades. I can't remember what it's called, but he goes to the Everglades in search to try to to help Dr. Connors, who is like he's turned back into the lizard. Yeah. And Venom uh, follows him to the Florida Everglades. So <laughs> A, I'm like, I live in Florida. This is for me. And I'm, I'm like reading it in middle school. And I just, I so vaguely remember this girl I had just the biggest crush on. Yeah. And she turned and she was like, what are you reading? And I explained to her exactly what I just said to you, like a Spider-Man novel. And I just remember... I remember seeing her eyes glaze over in that way and just her being like, okay. And she yeah. turned away and I just, that pain will never leave. You know, that, <laughs> that will always be something I'm making up for. Right. And so uh, granted, I don't, I don't, once again, I don't feel ownership, but there is just this part of me who's like, man, everybody likes it. 
All right. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I want to be in charge of the cool thing. Yeah. You know? Well, and she's probably like dressing up as Black Widow, you know, to mm-hmm. go to Halloween parties now and right. not even realizing that she... Actually, that woman was Michelle Obama. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I went to school with Michelle Obama. And... You kind of buried the lead there. I know. And also, Barack later ended up getting to be in a Spider-Man issue. It was, wow. <laughs> it was like That's, insult I mean, to energy. It's all, it's all full circle. Um, yeah. So uh, so let's. Uh, I, this is a bit of a hack question, but Ooh. as we sort of wrap up our conversation, um, I know we've been tap dancing around it for a little bit, but what is it about Spider-Man in particular that, that draws you to him, mm-hmm. that keeps you coming back? Um, that, that just, that, what, why, why is he so, why, why in the boxes that both of us received mm-hmm. was there Spider-Man? Like, why is he just there? I think Spider-Man has to be ubiquitous for what a good guy is. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I really think that we, you know, everybody has their favorite superheroes, but I think when people think of a good guy, Spider-Man has to be one of the first people who pops up in your head. Right. And when you're an in, when you're a kid who... You know, I think when you are picked on, because I really do feel like I was from the last, what seems to be the last generation of kids who were bullied in person before the internet like really became where people spent most of their time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I'm from that last little vestige. And and I just remember kids picking on me and feeling downtrodden. And I think you imagine a world where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to get too like sappy about it, but the, but the, you do imagine, oh, well, there is a time when it will be better. And if I ever have the opportunity to make it better, I will be. Right. And Peter from, from I mean, I don't want to say from issue one because he was a little bit of a jerk, but, but Spider-Man, <laughs> but Spider-Man has always been there for the good. Right. He's always been there for the like, you turn the corner and the guy who's living in your neighborhood could be the guy who's going to, who's going to change your life by right. saving it, by, right. by being, even just being a good friend. Spider-Man's like a good friend to all of the other superheroes because he wants to do the right thing in a way that I found very like, it was very influential to me because I, I found myself really, which it's why I like Thanos so much in this. I found my characters who always liked Overcoming things through force of will, mm. the I I will not give up until I do it. Yeah, you know it's 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 a, it's that point you brought up when we were talking about it. Peter apologizes while he is fighting crime to the other heroes. Like he says sorry. This is your point of just him being like, I have to. Yeah, I have no other opportunity. Well, and that's you know I think to go back, I want to talk to all of that. Um, so <laughs> in the in the in the early issues though, it's funny that if you go back to those Steve Ditko issues, like he is getting. He's getting bullied so hard, oh, so hard, for, all the time, for no reason, for no reason. <laughs> and you know, so so one, that's an in, mm-hmm. and especially if you're if you're reading comics, you know, before all the movies, before mm-hmm. all of this, when it's not a popular thing to do, and you happen upon this guy who's not landing on a, a mm-hmm. foreign planet and getting super strength from the yellow sun. He doesn't have a magic ring. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, um, it's a kid who is just getting bullied nonstop. <laughs> For being himself. Just existing. For just existing. Yeah. And they are relentless. And then his uncle dies, right? So. Well, he 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 gains a superpower and he yeah, like you said, he turns into a jerk. Yeah, he kind of becomes a dick. But why not? Yeah. Right? He finally has one up on all of these mm-hmm. people. He becomes very cocky, mm-hmm. and his cockiness, he allows himself to let the guy go who then kills his uncle Ben. Right. And so that so so but it's just like he. The thing is, is like uh, on the bully tip, they still don't let up. Oh no! And when you re- when you read the comics, like 
month by month, as I'm sure they were coming out at that time, it seems like more time is passing. Right. But when you actually follow along Stan Lee's like timeline of like when he references things, mm-hmm. it's weeks. It, yeah. Just minutes between them being like puny Parker. Yeah. Blah. This guy's uncle gets shot in cold blood and they are making fun of him the next day. For mourning it. For, <laughs> or for just any, for, you know, old bookworm Pete. And you're mm-hmm. just like, his uncle just got killed. And you'd know. It's high school. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they've, they've referenced it. So they know that mm-hmm. he's dead. So it's like, for him to, he goes he goes through all of that, you know, and then to still to still have the, the, the courage and the, and the tenacity to mm-hmm. put the mask on and to protect these same people. Right. There's just like, it's almost a, I'd like to think that that's what I would be as well. Sure. I don't know. I don't know Mm. that I would. And certainly that comes up a lot. Spider-Man, he gives up quite frequently. Oh, yeah. You know, um, Spider-Man No More happens a lot. Every 35 days. He's like, I don't want to be Spider-Man. But you get it. Yeah. Because everything that's happening around him is like, yeah, man. Yeah. You don't need to be putting up with this. Right. Um, uh, And so what I... What I wanted to say about the movies, though, is, you know, it was very interesting because Civil War happened, and I think we both agreed that we enjoyed him mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. Um, and then Homecoming happened, and I, and we kind of were texting back and forth, and mm-hmm. we and very slowly we both kind of admitted, like, I don't think I liked it as much as I should it's have. my favorite. Yeah. And, and not being able to put my finger on it, it, I came up with a whole bunch of explanations for it that that seemed right in Mm -hmm. terms, you know, I just kept saying like, God, everything they do is 100% correct. It just doesn't feel Mm. like a good Spider-Man movie. And it wasn't until we were talking about Infinity War that 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 point came came up where it was like he and Doctor Strange almost need somebody standing next to them commenting, you know, Mm -hmm. telling him, you can't be here. What are you doing here? Stop. You are not capable of this fight Mm -hmm. and like you said literally jumping into the fight a moment after and apologize i know i'm sorry i shouldn't be here yeah as he's like throwing haymakers and and getting himself directly involved and i think that's that's the spider-man that i love Mm -hmm. you know he's not and i've said this many times to you he's not the smartest in the in the mcu he's not or in the marvel Mm -hmm. you know comics or movie you know he is smart Mm -hmm. he's very smart but but he's not the smartest right and that's been established Mm -hmm. um he's not the strongest Mm -hmm. he's very strong but he's not the strongest but i think what he has and what what spider-man in infinity war especially uh showed was that he has the most heart right and that he will not give up Mm -hmm. and he's he's not the pragmatist and it's and it's funny because like that's that's part of the reason why he's one of because uh, generally I really love the characters who are like I'm gonna do what it is for the greater good. Strange talking to them about like if it's between you and the kid and the stone, I'm going to let you die. I was like, this is the perfect Doctor Strange. <laughs> right. Like, I was so excited. Yeah. But you, but you need as much. You always need someone there who's going to say, but what if we try? What if we try? Right. You know, and like yeah, you have your cap. Like we don't trade lives, but there's something more innocent about Peter where he's not looking at it through the lens of he's not looking at it through the lens of I survived World War II. He's looking at it through the lens of I'm a kid and I want the world to be better. Right. I want the world to be perfect. I want the world to be what I envision it. And he never seems to have a uh, a clear outlook on what the outcome is going to be. Right. Yeah. And and in spite of that, he throws himself into it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. 
you know, he, he doesn't have the, 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 the calculations of Iron Man or right. the strength of Thor or Hulk where they can, you know, rest assured that they're going to pretty Punch much come out. out. Yeah. yeah. And, and he doesn't know what the end's going to be. And mm-hmm. yet he still throws himself into the battle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you see, you see in his final moments there where he's so scared and clinging on that mm-hmm. it's just like, he's just a kid, yeah, you know, and retroactively it makes you sort of think back to everything that he did in the movie this scared child mm-hmm. who has the capacity to to be just frightened right. and in a ball, and yet in spite of that, he fights through it and mm-hmm. he throws himself at the big purple alien yeah. with the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's the first one on the glove trying to rip the thing right. off. Right? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, ah, damn, I love this game. And and he's still and he's still cracking jokes. Like he's yeah. still doing the magic, magic with the kick, and and it's <laughs> right. it's, it's funny because when when you think about the Spider Man comics, Spider Man a lot like Batman generally has the the ooh, I just got my ass kicked. How do I go ahead and... Right. How do I think this through? How do I not give up? And if 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 every issue of Spider Man ended with his first confrontation with the villain, then that would have been three issues in, and he would have been dead. <laughs> right. But he's willing to to keep coming back, yeah. not give up. Oh, he gets his ass kicked, and he and he figures it out, and he comes back. Mm-hmm. And which the villains could take a page from because they just keep <laughs> dying immediately. Exactly. Oh boy. Exactly. But then there's even there's even like a run where. Um, I'm also in the middle of reading the um, the the Ditko issues, but mm-hmm. but there is a run of like three comics where he walks away from a fight. Mm-hmm. He has reasons for oh, it. Sure, Aunt sure. May had a heart attack and he right. needs to leave, and that's clearly his priority. But for all the world, they just see Spider Man running from Green Goblin, right? And so for like three issues, he's he's branded as a coward, right? You know, and it's just like so. The guy with superpowers is branded as the coward. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And Green Goblin is, and like everybody, and like Doc Ock and Chameleon and all these guys are sitting there going, like, what did I, how did I not beat this guy? Right. He's clearly, you know. And so it's, it's interesting when they do explore his capacity to sort of like walk away. But even then, he's got a reason and he, he comes back, mm-hmm. you know, and he fights even harder after right. that. And it's not because people are calling him a coward. It's it's his own personal convictions. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's the it's the I need to take care of Aunt May. Mm-hmm. What are you doing out of your chair? And she pulls him down and says, you know, Parker's don't quit or whatever right. it is. And he goes, Oh, you're right. And he puts the mask on <laughs> immediately. Go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just I don't know. There's just there's something that about the character that speaks to I think the essence of who Peter Parker is under the mask mm-hmm. that homecoming didn't quite get. And I feel like mm-hmm. infinity war did. Did. Yeah. I, and, and it had glimpses of it. The, the, when he's trapped under the rubble with vulture and the come on Spider-Man moment, yeah. like that's, that's a Spider-Man moment. Right. And they're there. And I think it's just the other, maybe they just didn't find the balance. Even maybe. that though, I felt like was a little more fan service to mm-hmm. an image. Oh, sure. Then, then being a, an exploration of character. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, it worked in terms of like, wow, I've seen that on the page, and now oh, I'm nifty. See, yeah, yeah, you know. And then he immediately like looks into a puddle and he sees half of his mask floating. Yeah, that was like, when I was oh, like, neat. out loud. I kind of went, oh boy, yeah, like just because but, you've but seen it's, that. It's fan service, yeah. you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily speak to the to the character of who Peter is. And I think, mm-hmm. I think maybe more so than a lot of other superheroes, Peter is just as integral to who Spider Man right, is, right? Absolutely. Than you know, than the spider powers or anything mm-hmm. that happens after he puts the mask on. Yeah. And I think that's why I feel like they, they, they capture that in Ultimates and when 
um, when he dies and Miles Morales takes over, I think there was a huge mm-hmm. backlash um, that wasn't entirely all racist, although it was most. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it was like, you have a big task in front of you to try and create this new kid mm-hmm. in the same mold as Peter Parker, where he he's just as likable and he's just, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to their credit. Oh, they absolutely do. They it. nailed it. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense that now they've sort of destroyed the ultimate universe, but they were like, uh, miles made it. Yeah. Miles is fine. Because yep. like <laughs> now he lives in the six one six and he's great. But like I, and his costume is really cool. I, oh, I just, I, they're getting better with the costumes. Mm-hmm. I think they're just so, they're just so cool. Yeah. I wish th- I wish that the MCU would take the time, and I know that they can't because you're you're worried about setting up your villains correctly or your your heroes. But I wish that they would do that with the villains because you're these are also people who Thanos is the protagonist of his own story. He's like, in my opinion, I'm like I was watching that movie for Thanos, right. like, yeah. and the heroes were getting in his way, <laughs> and <laughs> right. so and, and and I wish that with people like Ronan the Accuser, who's really cool in the comics, or you know, you have your Yellow Jackets, you know, people who are kind of like meant to sort of be a one off because you just want to get Ant Man to be on the team as opposed to right. doing things on his own, right? But like you, you have your Malakathia curse. You have people who are really interesting villains with very cool perspectives and you're they're not utilizing that in the way that I think they should mm-hmm. and what would be interesting they won't do it I mean this is just postulating uh, but I wish that it would be more about the villains in the next phase of like now we're starting to see the rise of well if these heroes are this strong then an equal challenge needs to rise to meet it and that's where you get your Doctor Doom who because Doctor Doom's thing in the comics is he saw into the future and the only reality that works is the one where he is in charge of it where he is the ruler of right. Earth yeah. and and that being burdened with that knowledge. Dr. Doom is a character who unironically said, I was a God once I found it beneath me. We need more characters <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. You need, you need more just dread it, run from it. Destiny still arrives kind of lines from, from villains who have the conviction to be like, I'm here to mess your day up right. and you're going to like that. I'm here as an audience member. All right. So I'm spitballing here. All right, go for it. Tell me if this is stupid or not. No. And it may be, I may have to edit this entire thing out. Oh God. So we had talked about the possibility now that Thanos has all of the stones that he could actually bring back mm-hmm. all of the villains. Sure. Right. Which would be, the best. Awesome. It'd be the coolest thing. Which would be awesome. Now, what if... I'm laughing already. This oh, is God. so dumb. What if he we took that idea of him being able to take all of the all of the previous villains, but he somehow he somehow takes them and mashes them together into one like super being? Oh no. <laughs> oh bud. Just like a big Play-Doh monster of Well, no, he would look cool. Mm. But played by Daniel Day Lewis, he just he 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 resurrects all of them into one just like creature, so that he doesn't have to continue to fight, mm-hmm. and like who can like fight on his behalf, right? And they just call it Doom. Oh, okay. okay. You know what I mean? Kind of like your your monster dark side from the Justice League movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or yeah, your, yeah. your Doomsday, excuse me. But like better. But but but, but better, <laughs> but and like, people like it. But like done well. And Martha. Um, but. <laughs> What did you say? What did you, what did you say? <laughs> God, there was there was some dumb fan art from Infinity War where right as he's getting choked, uh, Peter says Uncle Ben, and Thanos goes, "Why did you say that name?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh boy, oh brother." But I, I would, uh, to be honest, I would give 
I would give so m- I would pay three times the regular ticket price if they promised me that because obviously the heroes may have to try to find Thanos if that's the route they're going to go to bring back these these people who have disappeared. Right. And I could very much so see Thanos going the more comic book I'm a villain route because you're trying to undo what I've done. I'm I'm complete now. I'm I'm never going to come at you guys again, but because you're coming into my house trying to mess up my thing, let me bring back your villains. Right. Let me bring back your failures. Do you think that he's in the Soul Stone? I don't think so. You don't think so? I think I think that He's pushed there for a second, which is why he sees Gamora, which is how he kind of comes back. And I think that that's the kind of transfer that I think that that's that moment it's transferring because I do think maybe that wound would have been uh, like a, a fatal wound for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the Soul Stone like bringing him in and resurrecting him almost at the same time to be like, we're going to heal you from this. Right. Um, whether or not he like maybe it's just like a, a survival instinct and that's kind of what happens. It's, it's reading that. But I, I definitely think uh, he's alive somewhere else because I'm, I'm really looking forward to the moment they just come over the horizon and he's like and now i don't have to hold back and then it's just gonna be him <laughs> right. just beating like what he did to the hulk in the beginning of that movie oh yeah where he just sizes the hulk up waits for him to be like and that's how strong you are okay da da done you're dead yeah so good yeah god such a good villain well and i what, what was the uh then they just came out with the with an interview where they they said that it wasn't it wasn't that the Hulk was scared to come out. He mm-hmm. was just tired of only being called in when right. when Banner needed him. And and I feel like that, I mean, in Ragnarok, they say that where where Banner and Hulk are kind of like, well, you only like me for this one thing. Right. And I, I, I like that a lot because the Hulk likes a fight. So I do think like, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was just as deluded in the beginning of being like, Oh wow, he lost and now he's upset. Right. But I do think narratively, how cool is that, that they'll take the time to do your Jekyll and Hyde of neither of us feels like we value the other. Right. You know, like yeah. what, what an interesting thing to take because in Edward Norton's movie, the Hulk, he's just trying to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that movie, his after credit scene where he like opens his eyes and they turn green, the implication being, oh, he's fully in charge of the Hulk. Right. And the, yeah, absolutely. And, and so in this, they show like, yeah, he's able to call upon the Hulk, but that they have a relationship now, I think is is really interesting. Yeah. What, a, what a cool... I don't know if they'll ever give him his own movie, but I, 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 it's something I'd like to see. Yeah, Hulk's one of those hard characters, though, that I think he needs other people around yeah. him as well. That's always that's been true of the comics, and mm-hmm. you know, um, unless you're willing to some change f- something fundamentally about the Hulk, mm-hmm. like oh, he's gray, Hulk he's gray now. now. You know, yeah, he's mix or fix it. He can, mm-hmm. he can, he's actually very intelligent. It's just like you have to change something about him in order mm-hmm. to make him interesting on his own, because then he's he's just a green monster rampaging through things. All right, buddy comedy movie. We bring back Kelsey Grammer's Beast. It's Kelsey Grammer's <laughs> Beast and Mark Ruffalo. That's great. And they're just hanging out together. I That's just it. Ragnarok. I so. love it. Um, uh, so uh, I don't know why this just popped up, but there's a, in the Ultimate Comics, there's this great running gag of every time they're in a police station, mm-hmm. there's a crazy person in a Marvel costume from the 616 okay. yelling something from the current timeline oh my god but they're crazy right you know what i mean and so like during civil war when they go to the um they go to the police station and somebody's yelling like you know which side are you on which side are you on Mm -hmm. you know and then uh in the most in the latest one it it, they're yelling about how the worlds are going to converge and everybody's doomed and Mm -hmm. it's just like it's just funny it's just like this very background nobody ever really comments on it but Mm -hmm. it's just it's very much about you know like how these crazy people are actually yelling truths 
they're perceiving this other yeah. universe. They're, they're, yeah, it's true to somebody. It's just not the people that they're with. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why that made me think of that, but um, but that was a very interesting thing. Okay, so to wrap up, uh, knowing that not everybody can stay dead, who, if anybody, do you think is going to stay dead? <sighs> That's rough because. Because they're not writing it as a comic. I feel like they're writing for the movie audiences, and that definitely changes how... Because, like, Loki is mostly just as popular because Tom Hiddleston's so, so pretty. Right, you know, right. like, people just, oh, boy, oh, boy, do we just love the way he looks, our pretty, pretty boy. And so I'm curious if they'll let that one stick. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think Amora's dead. Um, I don't... See, I think she's... I think she is. Nah, I think I think she's gonna I think she's gonna have to be in the next one. And I think you could you could keep her dead and you could have Adam Warlock be the person who finds a way to bring her back. Because they haven't they're 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 setting Adam Warlock up to be a villain in mm-hmm. Guardians 3, which is very interesting with the Enclave. But if if we're going with like his powers and his his personal history, he does have a history with Gamora and Pip the Troll. So I think that that would be cool. I mean, if they if they decided no, she's dead and she's in the stone or she's in the gem, and we find a way to like that gem makes its way to Adam Warlock, and because of him, he like brings back Gamora, and maybe she's on his side and not on Peter Quill's side. Also, we bring in Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck gets to be there. <laughs> Howard the Duck and Cosmo both need to be there. You got to stop. It's the best. You got to stop with the Howard. But the Duck. um, but who? I do think Cap will die and stay dead. Yeah. Th- that's the one that I think needs to happen. Yeah. Because that way you have your Captain Marvel become your new captain, but she's not your Captain America. She's just, you have your captain on the team. Right. Um, and you could do your Bucky. I mean, like they have their white wolf thing going on with him. So like you could have, they've shown him using the shield. Maybe Bucky becomes Cap. You could have Falcon do it. Um, I, I think I do think Black Panther and Spidey come back. I mean, I think they have just, to. They have to. They have to. Um, I think Iron Man goes away. Like, I don't think he dies, but I do think he's like, I'm out. I have to quit. Yeah. Because um, boy, am I looking forward to the Avengers where it's Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel and Spider Man and Black Panther because I think that's an interesting team dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's something where it's it's less about personalities and more about like personal convictions. Mm. Where you have your I'm a kid who doesn't know anything. I'm not from anywhere. I'm in charge of I'm Doctor Strange. I'm in charge of magic. I don't you know like these the people on the the first Avengers roster they have a. Um, a sort of similar stake in how they approach things right with this. It's like a team of really just like almost like the Island of misfit toys coming together. Um, but, but to answer your question, I, th- I don't know if anybody stays dead. Okay. I think we bring back most everybody and like, we don't know that Loki's alive. You know, you, you <laughs> right. have that kind of thing of like right, Loki right, right. continues to like, Oh, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Right. Until um, something major happens and then it's all revealed to be a, mm-hmm. a trick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so final question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is something that you wish that I would have asked for you to talk about or mm. something interesting that you want to make sure that you, you know, a fact or a figure or a personal story that you want to make sure that you, you, get, you mm. get out there before we say goodbye? I mean, the only thing that I think if we could have talked about anything more is the villain side of things and the rising and falling action within the MCU. Mm. Because the phase is started out so strong and there is a slump and people don't like to admit that even though this is like the, the, you know, the, the greatest thing ever. Oh my God, we love how much the MCU is like, there are some really 
weak movies that are almost experiments in how do we do it better in the future so that our infinity war isn't a dud, you know, because your Thor, your Thor, the dark world, which is setting up for Ragnarok is a weak, weak movie. It's not great. You're the actor who played the villain. Christopher Eccleston didn't even want to be there. He didn't really like it that much. And I mean, like (laughs) I can't blame him due to the script, you know, and you have, you have things like, Movies like Winter Soldier, which are, I think, incredible. Winter Soldier is just a good movie. Right. You know? And then you have Iron Man 3, which is just a buddy cop movie with a child. Like, why is this happening? (laughs) And And, like, yeah, the Mandarin was obviously, like, the most racist villain ever in the comics. Like, just the worst. Yeah. But... To not even attempt to do anything. I mean, like, okay, no, maybe, maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being too selfish. Maybe because it's, because my, what I wanted was subverted. I'm unhappy with it. You know, that's the main thing about The Last Jedi that people hate is where they want the story to go. They weren't given. And so they're kind of stomping their feet. Yeah. But like, God, there, there are just a lot of movies. I think though that, you know, it's funny that you bring up The Last Jedi because I don't know, you know, as a, as, as a, uh, a viewer of Star Wars, but not necessarily a super fan, and also somebody who didn't know a lot about mm-hmm. Iron Man, I think it was the bait and switch that both of those movies uh, uh, sort of pulled, mm-hmm. where it was just like, okay, here's the Mandarin, here's what we know about him, here's who he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, nope, he's just an actor. And it was just like, within the same movie, you're just like, wait, what? Right, yeah. You know, and like, J- Jedi was kind of that too, where it was just like, I'm going to take all your expectations. And it wasn't even about like, fan service for me. It was mm-hmm. just like, bad storytelling mm. where it was just like I'm making a promise up top I'm telling you this is what's going on and then oh nope just kidding it's not at all and I'm like well hold on <laughs> and I'm I'm generally positive on The Last Jedi I know we're like diverging but I yeah. think and, and, and it's where Infinity War really succeeds and where Last Jedi kind of fails if we were to compare the two. Anytime they cut away from one story in Infinity War to go to another, it felt like a logical place to leave it, even if the even if the action was rising, mm-hmm. and to go to somewhere where even if you didn't realize you wanted to see that story, you kind of wanted to see what Strange was doing, what what the Guardians were doing. Right. And and unfortunately, with the Last Jedi, I think we can all agree the Rose and Finn Canto Bite storyline, yep. kind of a big yeah, but. But the Finn and or the the Kylo Ren and Rey storyline really really good and really great. compelling yeah. and I really like that and and there there's a and I'm very good with my adjectives such as really and uh, <laughs> or descriptors so but and when it comes to Infinity War what what they get right is so right in regards to fan service like. Think about how many jokes were in Ragnarok. They put jokes in Infinity War, but they really ended up like backing off towards the end of the movie. They mm-hmm. weren't. It wasn't chock a block. They they chose their moments. Right. And that was your mom joke in the Last Jedi. And that really bummed me yeah. out. <laughs> that really bummed. Well, me out. and they kept the jokes to the the people that it was appropriate for. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um. And so again, it was like whether you're. You know, it was just. It was about expectation and. And, you know, uh, and conviction of pulling it off. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like you tonally, you could tell when it was a Guardian scene versus right. when it was a Cap scene mm-hmm. versus when it was an Iron Man scene. And it was like the fun part for me was watching those characters then cross over mm. to be like, oh, here's here's an interaction between somebody who generally is very jovial mm-hmm. or doesn't take things seriously talking to somebody who takes things very seriously yes, absolutely. and they held on to that mm-hmm. you know and so it was just and and yet and and again i don't know why we're making comparisons to jedi now but it was like last jedi was just like 
that person would never have done that in right. any other movie. And also, it's funny that you bring that up because when they introduce the Guardians in in Infinity War, when they're playing Rubber Band Man, you know immediately what you're immediately. getting. And the thing is, when you cut to Luke and when you cut to the different storylines, there's almost no distinction that anything should be changing. Right. You know, there is no meeting of the old guard and the new guard, which like the the original sweeping feel of the first of the first movies had this very like orchestral, almost fantastical feel. And I feel like they just incorporated Luke into the modern universe that they wanted to. Right. And and how and the thing about the Marvel movies is, for better or for worse, they have their specific tones. Guardians sounds and looks a very specific way. Black mm-hmm. Panther looks and sounds a specific way. Yeah. And 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 when you can make those things, they're they're noted, but they're not harped on. Right. You know, like everybody needs to have their shot here. Except for Cap. Cap, you don't get to talk in this movie. You're going to talk in the next one, and then you're going to die. And then you're but right. like, oh, God. Also, did you notice, just, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Every line Black Widow said was this quiet in the movie. <laughs> Everything, when they're, there's a point where they're like, oh, you're going to die alone. And literally, you hear her go, she's not alone. Just like that close to her. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, just sorry. say your line. Uh, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, just... He's not all, when, when Proxima Midnight's hit with that gigantic rolling death machine, yeah. literally Scarlet, or, uh, Blackwood goes, that was gross. <laughs> and just like the, the bit that Katie and I kept doing was just like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you, we're in Wakanda. I can't hear you. Like, You saying something, Black Widow? What? No. No. no, no. no. All right. Just seemed like you were saying something. Okay. So uh, in conclusion, uh, <clears throat> Disney um, is capable of telling really great stories mm-hmm. um, with consistent tone mm-hmm. and meaning over a long period of time that um, that is significant to a large population of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other hand, Disney is incapable of making movies with consistent tone and characters, <laughs> and they like to modernize things where perhaps they shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so uh, thank you so much. This has been really fun. Um, I hope that... uh, So the next movie is Ant-Man and Wasp. Wasp, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to get you back in here after that so we can Mm. talk about it. And, uh, yeah, do you have anything else that you want to say before we go? Baba Booey? I don't... Great. Is that it? All right. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Bobby. You're welcome. See you later. Bye. Bye. What Am I Missing is edited, produced, and hosted by me, Brett Walden, with original music by Anthony Smith. Special thanks this week goes out to Robert Johnston, if for nothing else, humoring me about my stupid Galactus idea. If you would like to know more about this show or upcoming episodes, more information can be found at www.brettwalden.com W-A-I-M. If you have any questions, comments, or curses about anything you heard today, we have a community for that. Go to facebook.com slash whatamimissingpod and let your voice be heard. And please make sure to rate us on whatever app you choose to listen to podcasts on. And why don't you go ahead and tell your friend who loves the MCU about us as well. Now, here's a preview of next week's episode. So this gray hat hacker named Niels who um, is... There are helicopters flying outside of his house because his girlfriend downloaded a, a, a you know... Um, a, reality TV show, whatever she was watching at the time. Yeah. She downloaded it. He was trying his best to live above the board and then the helicopters were swirling overhead and they kick down his door and they take all of his stuff and they take all of his USB drives. It's all encrypted. It gets very, very tech heavy really quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's this amazing project 
if not musically, but also because of how successfully he predicted a lot of what's happening currently oh, really? with our administration like right now. Thanks for listening. 